my oldest daughter um, really appreciates going to church and is a member of First Presbyterian Church in Lynchburg, Virginia, which is really sweet. Uh, so whenever she comes to town, I always go with her to church. And um, I have a particular appreciation for that in that her church of choice in Charlotte uh, is the one I grew up in. Um, the one that my dad was a church organist and choir director when I was very young. And um, I spent a huge chunk of my, my childhood there um, um, through his music school as well. So it's to go back to First Pres um, in Charlotte is always a little bit of a homecoming um, for me. And it was really sweet this past Sunday um, when she was home and we went um, for two reasons. One, um, I just have to share, having grown up as a church organist's daughter, the organ in that church is amazing. And for whatever reason, the organist that day, he was in a pull out all the stops mode. <laughs> and it's a big sanctuary and when you sit in that big sanctuary with the whole stops out kind of mode of playing you know the whole thing is vibrating with this truly joyous sound it's a remarkable place to just sit and be the other reason I really enjoyed it this past summer is um, Penn Perry the the minister there gave a beautiful sermon on gratitude. And not just gratitude, but gratitude in challenging times. Gratitude when it's difficult um, and hard. And what is it that allows us to um, keep touching in um, even when things aren't the way we want them to be? Um, and he actually, he started with a scripture passage from Paul. I just want to share um, um, some parts of that passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Do not be anxious about anything. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. It's a lovely passage, but it's particularly helpful to know he wrote that while he was in prison. Those were words from prison. Do not be anxious about anything. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds. One of the reminders for me out of hearing that is that that kind of sentiment of um, gratitude, peace, um, connectedness, centeredness, right in the hardest of places, is something that, that's part of our humanness. Um, and certainly something I've met in my own life in many times, in many places. Um, and I can just say from, from my experience in the Mecklenburg County Detention Center, I've seen women um, do just beautiful work right there and find some core of way of being 
um, in a very hard place. So for me, having that reminder of a certain kind of wholeness that's always available, irregardless of situation and circumstance, we need that because it's so easy and normal <laughs> um, that we live caught up in kind of a um, 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 survival reactivity mode in the mind. That it's hard to sometimes know that there's a larger life that's possible in any moment um, that's already there. And it's not necessarily easy to understand how to get there. So um, we need, we just need reminders, number one, of it's possible. You know, that this too is part of our wiring, um, to know that possibility of deep peace in the middle of whatever situation. Um, so Penn Perry, in terms of just thinking about now, he quoted a rabbi um, who had said, and I, couldn't, I didn't get the rabbi's name, but he said, we live in a culture of chronic anxiety that is not so much even about specifics, but rather it is in the air that we breathe. One thing that's interesting about that quote is he said that 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, and just think of what's happened, particularly in the last several years, in terms of the heightened level of stress that's just in the air that we breathe. So our usual ways of thinking our happiness will only come out of a peaceful Thanksgiving table <laughs> um, or um, making sure, you know, I mean, just to name some of the basics, job security, um, physical health, um, um, things going right with, with everyone in the family that those are the, the kind, that a certain kind of success in living in the world, um, those are the kinds of markers we tend to use as what will give us peace. And what we know is that none of those markers can ever be lasting forever and, and give kind of a deeper possibility when they're not there. Um, so we need to look for other ways of finding our roots um, to sustain us when things are not easy, other than what our society says, this is it, this is the path. That path doesn't necessarily work, rarely. I don't actually know it's ever worked, <laughs> um, that there is another way um, doing it. So I felt with um, Thanksgiving, I'd offer um, one, one path that has been particularly helpful for me for reorienting again and again and again when things don't go <laughs> the way I want them to or the way I had hoped they would or whatnot. Um, and that is that um, power of being able to reframe a situation to seeing everything that is happening, wanted and unwanted, everything that is happening, 
as part of our journey to our wholeness and our healing, um, as part of the path that actually helps us find that healing potential for knowing our wholeness to emerge. And I don't mean this in some sort of Pollyanna um, sort of way of, you know, you just need to look on the bright side of things and the sun will shine tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's not that, that kind of version. It really is much more of a radical embracing of what is and being able to find a footing right in the middle of it that matters, that like opens our heart in a way that we can care about how we're living that moment and feel touching into that wholeness that's possible. So I wanna give one small example that has been very alive in my life recently. Um, some of you may have noticed our, um, my, my flyer on the table over there, over there, looking for a loving home and a picture of a over-the-top cute dog. <laughs> so that is our Fiona. Um, who, I, I don't say this lightly, is a wonder dog. Uh, we've had her about two months, and the first month was pretty darn easy. Um, she, she came home to us skin and bones um, um, and really sick, and I'm, I'm appreciating just how sick she was as I see her, he her healthy self now. Um, so the first month, um, she didn't care one iota about our cats. She didn't feel good enough to care about our cats. But then we kind of fattened her up, and we got her healthy, and we got her fed, and we got her happy. And oh my gosh, all of a sudden, that is a cat. <laughs> and she, um, easygoing, good-natured, well-trainable dog has now like honed in on target in a way that um, a hunting and a really aggressive hunting instinct has, has come out at our cats. So now our house is a constant watch zone. <laughs> you know, she's in the house, she's on the leash. If she's outside, she has to be watched because you don't know when she's gonna learn she can jump the fence and go after the cat, you know, just kind of, so you have to like be on, on duty um, with her um, to make sure everyone stays safe in the house. With this situation and the amount of work that it takes, it's very easy to go into a useless mindset of, why did we get think we needed another dog? What were we doing? You know, how could we have been so loony to think that this would be okay? Um, um, or you know, we we make some progress and then we have a setback, and the setback is like, ah, you know, this is too much. It's just very easy and I actually I don't go into that a lot but I feel the the um, suction <laughs> of the rabbit hole that wants to like pull me down into his black hole of pit of uselessness <laughs> and non non pro non just helpfulness in any moment so it has been like this practice that I have to tend to regularly, daily, <laughs> um, to keep myself clear on, this is a, not, this part's easy, she's a love, that part's easy, <laughs> um, but clear on, um, I know why we did it. And we saw a dog who was in need and knew that we could respond, and we did. 
So it was like a real act of love um, to bring her home and to have gratitude for the felt sense of a heart's availability in that moment um, that we brought her home and not, um, not diminish that in any way out of the reality of, yeah, there wasn't a cakewalk. <laughs> um, so, you know, just reminding myself over and over of the act of love that I'm very grateful my daughter and I saw in that moment that we could do um, for her. The other side that um, is so helpful is to openly embrace the challenge as the practice as what I am meant to learn how to do well. I am meant to learn how to live with this kind of low-grade, low-grade chaos in the house with knowing where my feet are. And it doesn't mean that I know how to do that. It means this is practice for me to learn how to do that. And, I, and in order to do that, I have to reframe over and over and over that this actually is fundamentally beautiful opportunity of learning how to rebalance, recenter in something that's essentially a safe situation. You know, it's just it's just a lovely dog who I actually can keep my cat safe, and we will rehome her. There's there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing survival about this situation. But that doesn't mean my amygdala doesn't need that reminder. <laughs> over and over and over. So learning to embrace the challenge actually helps me build my resilience, my strength, my ability to meet normal daily chaos in the way that I want to, in a way that I care about. When we can embrace that level of the stuff that goes off in a day, then whatever happens in our day is useful for our lives. It is how we are then able to meet the harder stuff in the way that we really care about. Um, and there's a beautiful analogy I often um, share, so I know some of you have heard it before. Out in Arizona, you remember when they built that big biosphere, the, the bubble out there, and they tried to make it all self self-sustaining inside. So one of the things that they did when they built it was plant trees. They made sure they had really good soil, they made sure they had plenty of sunshine and space, um, clean air, water, and so they really expected the trees to just thrive in this environment. And what they found is the trees looked like they were growing up healthy and strong, but then when they'd get to a certain height, they'd fall over. And when they fell over, they realized, for whatever reason, the trees weren't growing deep roots, very superficial roots. So literally, the, the roots could not sustain the weight of the tree, and the tree would just fall over. They couldn't figure out what was missing, why the trees weren't um, um, rooting deeply. And they finally got it. No wind. Without the stress of the wind, there was no reason for the roots to grow deep. 
<laughs> kind of like the, the ultimate like reframe. Um, so, you know, what is it like in this um, path of, of wholeness to learn to embrace it all as how we are actually able to grow our roots? Then I can just like even hear in my own mind, well, what about when it's a hurricane? <laughs> and, you know, the reality is lives sometimes have hurricanes and some trees actually survive hurricanes. Some don't. And where they don't, new things grow up and come up in those places. It is a given that we will experience some sort of hurricanes, you know, in our personal lives. That's just part of living. And the question is, how do we want to be in the midst of that? And how do we grow the possibility that helps us be there well? And there is this beautiful possibility, like the, the letter from Paul written in prison, um, that, that, that tells us there really is a way we can know wholeness right in the heart of the worst of storms. And I'm just going to share, um, finish with um, sharing one story that is one of those gifts someone gave to me many, many, many years ago um, that has stayed with me because she did it with such remarkable grace. Um, when I was a first year medical student, um, I was paired with um, a woman named Juanita that was in the early days um, of AIDS when people were still really scared of people with AIDS. They didn't want to be in the same room with them, didn't want to touch a glass that they had picked up. Families were disconnecting from um, um, family members with AIDS. So this was a program that um, put um, um, support people with people with AIDS. So. Um, I and another woman were paired with um, Juanita. And Juanita had lived a tremendously hard life. Um, she had gotten addicted to drugs um, very early in her life, in her teen years. Um, ended up um, 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 supporting her habit through prostitution. Had kids, lost her kids to the state. Ended up living on the street. Um, lots of violence, um, really just as hard as it can be. And then she got AIDS on top of that. Um, and something about her getting AIDS was what allowed her to finally find her footing. It was stunningly beautiful to, and she had already like started that journey by the time I was paired with her to like, be able to hear this story. By the time I was paired with her, she'd gotten off the streets, she had reconnected with her family, she had reconnected with her kids, um, um, and in her words, had gotten her life back. So never, she would say this over and over, but not, not, I mean, some version of these words, I would never wish AIDS on anyone, but thank God for me, it gave me my life back before I died. That's the wholeness that is possible for us in any situation. But we need to use our practice to be able to get there. <laughs>